Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good afternoon, good morning. It's Across the Romaverse, episode 48, and we're going to be talking Capture Mercato on the eve of the year 2020. Um, Steve, what, have you ever seen Temptation Island, Italy? I've heard of it. I've probably seen like still shots of it on um, Corriere dello Sport sometimes has like those celebrity like yeah. links and things. And I've seen, uh, do they call it Isola de, de Famosi or something over there? Have, that's, a, that's a separate show with uh, oh, okay. hosted by Totti's wife. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, they have that as well. Um, yeah. What, why would I be asking about this? Well, it just happens that the producer of Temptation Island Italia is Maria De Filippi, who's a well-known talk show host in Italy. And who's her husband? It's Maurizio Costanzo. And who did uh, what, what job did Maurizio Costanzo, Costanzo take up today, Steve? Well, he's working with Roma now, apparently, from what I saw. Mm -hmm. Communications director. Um, I mean, uh, communications are important for a club trying to build their brand, I guess. And and who better than someone who's got connections, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, by, by the tone in your voice, you're wondering who the hell is Mauricio Cassandra. Yeah. And, and some some reactions on Twitter have been like, you know, why, why are we hiring an 82-year-old guy to lead up the communications director uh, position at Roma? And was there even a commission communications director role before he came and what does a communications director even do uh, on the last question i have no answer but uh Maurizio costanzo has history with roma he's the guy who francesco totti went to for help in the early 2000s after the whole world cup 2022 fiasco um you know the, the disappointment of euro, euro, two, euro 2004 sorry and uh totti went to costanzo and you know knowing that costanzo is a romanista uh, and who is a basically a media magnet in the, in the it, the media capital of Italy, not not to mention the capital itself, Rome. Uh, he went to him for help, and Costanzo came up with the idea of writing and releasing a, a book called Tutte le parzellette su Totti raccolte da me. Uh, essentially, all the bar jokes I've ever heard on Francesco Totti in one book, and uh, that that book did a decent decent amount of work in terms of changing the country's perception of Francesco Totti at the time. Because people were wondering, you know, who, who is this hothead who plays for Rome and is meant to be the, the number 10 for Italy? Uh, does he take himself too seriously? Uh, you know, out comes this book, for, you know, uh, this collaboration from Costanzo and, uh, and Totti. And it helps people to think that Totti is a guy who's, you know, who's lighthearted and doesn't take himself that seriously after all. Um, and now Costanzo is back, but he, you know, he has 
his celebrity goes back way, way beyond uh, Roma. It's uh, way, way beyond, the, you know, way, way further back than the 2000s. He's, you know, he's, I'd be like, I suppose the American equivalent is hiring Vince McMahon of WWE to be your, your communications director. Whether you think that's a good idea or not. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's of that magnitude. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm just surprised that the Friedkins managed to keep this, of all things, under wraps because it's, it's, you're hiring the biggest media magnate in the city, let alone the country. Um, and his wife is a big deal as well. And that, that, this, the news that this only came up last night, it like, uh, talking about Lydia at the ungodly hours of uh, midnight over here. And uh, you, you sort of looked at the news and you thought, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if that happened? And then the next morning it actually happens, for real. Um, but yeah, you, you're not alone in your skepticism, Steve. Uh, immediate reaction for, for Costanzo's hire to the AS Roma job is, um, you know, one, one guy came up tonight this was, uh, uh, if I get his name right, it's Gene Noki um, or Jenny Noki to Tienvuvu Radio, who said, uh, all of this shows that Roma is doing everything box office. Um, because uh, you, know, you, you, you may not know it, but Mourinho has actually signed the Ferrari driver, Charles Leclerc, to guide the, the bus that Roma will be parking on the pitch <laughs> next, next, next season. Um, and then he, they, they even he, you know, he went on to say that even considering hiring Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, sorry, to uh, to be the digital manager of of, uh, of Roma, um, and you know, jokes aside, he was just basically saying like, you know, Roma's doing everything box office. Um, that they're, they're really going for the spectacle this summer in terms of Freakin's management hires. And uh, but at the end of the day, it's results that count, and the fans want to win. So you know, what what do we make of this, Steve? Well, what's your feeling about this? Um, yeah, do you, do you does this give Freakins more credibility, or is this just um, you know more glamour, and we're still waiting for the the other shoe to drop? I mean, I think there's a combination of things. I, I definitely think uh, the glamour hirings will bring attention to the club. Uh, you know, Mourinho's brought plenty of attention. We've seen it, you know, just in our CDT following on Twitter and the website and the podcast, yeah. and the time that Mourinho was hired for good or for better or worse, I should probably say, because you know. There's always going to be the skeptics as well as the people that buy into it. Um, in this case, I mean, I, again, you're hiring another well-known name in in this case in the media industry, I guess you could say, uh, for a job in communication. So I guess there's got to be some substance behind it in the freakins, you know, part because you're not going to just hire someone because they have a name. I don't think, it, it, you know, you wouldn't hire Mourinho if you didn't think he could uh, bring Roma in the right direction. Whether it's, well, you know, well, you can be if you're James Pilotta and you hire Mia Hamm. As the honorary vice president of the club. That's true. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> um, but you know, the Freakins are successful businessmen for a reason. Pelota was too. I saw, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But um, you know, they seem like they want to make Roma a serious club in the sense of like being considered with those bigger clubs. You know, Roma's not uh, a European power by any means. You know, I think sometimes we, as Roma fans, maybe overvalue Roma. Many of us, I think, see ourselves as bigger than we are. And I think sometimes we have to check our, our expectations. And I think that's why it's so tough to coach in Rome and to, to run a team in Rome is because yeah. Rome is a huge city. You know, it's a European uh, metropolitan area, one of the biggest capitals in, in Europe. And uh, the club maybe doesn't always reflect that, but, you know, I guess so maybe the freakings are trying to get the club to that level where, you know, they're level with a club in London or now PSG has done in Paris. I mean, look how long it took PSG to become big. They needed the, mm. the oil money. Um, they were a nobody. They made Roma look like a huge club just maybe a decade ago or so. So 
Um, it is interesting. I think they're doing it for the right reasons, but I think there is a little bit of a glamour to it. I, I guess you could say where it's like, oh, let's catch people's attention. But again, you have to say, like you had mentioned, it was under wraps until the last minute. So however the freakings go about their business, uh, if they want to keep things close to the vest, they keep things close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Costanzo had this to say on his hire today in the, the public announcement. He said, I'll be responsible for the communication strategy of AS Roma. And my new slogan will be, it's better in Rome. Uh, the first thing I want to do is uh, tighten up the relationship between Mourinho and the city. And I want to work a lot on the club's relationship with the fans. I'd love, for example, and Costanzo is making no bones about his age here. Uh, he says, I'd, I'd love, for example, to find the most ancient Roma fan in the city right now. Um, I'm Roman and I'm saying it's better in Rome. That's his words. But like you said, as far as secrecy and, and control of the media goes, I mean, yeah, this is going to help their chances, uh, Steve, in terms of, you know, getting to a media magnet like Costanzo and his wife, De Filippi, on board. You know, they, he's, they, they will definitely know what the rumors are um, that are about to hit the pages before, before the Freakins know it. So it's good to have them on side. Yeah, you would think so. And you would think that they probably have enough connections in the media that if they want a story kind of squashed a bit, uh, maybe mm. Di Costanzo could lean on some people in some of these bigger publications that may uh, in the past have spread a bit of a fake news, so to speak, uh, to steal yeah. a, a term from our ex-president here where, <laughs> you know, every, you know, stories get written. I'm sure Pelota kind of had to deal with a lot of that, but didn't have the right connections to deal with this. So maybe this is a connection that the Freakins have created that might be able to help um, not insulate the club, but, you know, make sure what's coming out is true and not causing dressing room stirs or stirs amongst the Tifosi, um, you know, for no reason. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Another move they made, Steve, this week, I don't know if you caught it or not, but Voce Gialarossa published a photograph of it to make sure it's real. And the Freakins have finished up moving into their newly rebuilt Trigorio offices that overlook the Agostino di Bartolomei training pitch which is the number one pitch in Trigoria's training center where the senior team often trains and uh, the head coach's office is right next door to, to the club owner so Jose Marino will be working uh, his office hours right next to the Freakins next door uh, was this longer reduced Steve or does it make no difference at all is it just again another you know another nice to have that as part of the senior at the training ground but uh, the players were already motivated or were they not were they lacking that owner that's keeping a watchful eye. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think it was ever necessary before because the owner was in Rome, you know, probably 10 times in a decade. Um, you know, <laughs> if that, you know, um, for all of Pelota's, you know, well-intended things he thought he did as an owner, one of them that was not very good was his presence in the city. You know, that the fact that the Freakins now have themselves a proper office uh, in the training facility where they can be present. You know, I've been watching the Tottenham documentary with Mourinho and Daniel Levy was there all the time. I know he's not, yeah. most adored owner by Tottenham fans, um, especially the way things have gone down recently. But, um, you know, he was present. He was in almost yeah. every episode, e- either sitting in the dining room, you know, with the players and coaches and just being involved in the day-to-day. And I think the Friedkins want to have the same kind of, um, not control, but just to be present. You know, you you are the owners. You are yeah. the reflection. The club's a reflection of you. Um, I, I noticed he, he like, at Spurs, he had like he began breakfast every morning inviting Mourinho to, yeah. to the canteen to, to discuss things with him. I thought yeah. that was pretty hands on. Yeah. So, and I think if you do want, and you know, things went south in Spurs, and I didn't, I didn't finish the whole season yet. And I know the season that he left was this season, so it was past the documentary. But you do want to have a good relationship between the ownership and the management, you would think, um, to keep the relationship strong and 
to hopefully build something and, and be working in sync. So I, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have them next door to each other. And I think uh, it's good to see the freakins are invested in the club to have an office there and overlook the training pitch and be involved and, you know, not have a too much of a hands-on approach in terms of training or anything like that, but just to be there and, <laughs> and let the players know that they're being watched. You know, you, we're paying you millions of dollars, millions of euros, you know, you better perform. I don't want to see you dogging it every day in training and then expecting to step on the pitch and then you perform like garbage because you're not training well. Yeah, fair enough. Separate from that is and just my final news topic of the week is the Stadio de Roma is rearing its head again. And this time it's Azione party leader and Rome mayoral candidate from the opposition, Carlo Calenda, who's uh, looking to overtake Regina Raggi as the number one citizen in Rome. And he's almost seemingly pushing forward the Stadio della Roma project by himself. Uh, he's talking about how his party have identified a new location for the stadium uh, and that they're down to reviewing the details. Uh, really, like they make it seem as simple as possible. Uh, but the Freakins haven't attached their name to Calenda's pet project yet. Um, it seems like really like the political party like lobbying and petitioning for this new project to be built almost without the club's involvement which is as we know is impossible mm-hmm. so uh are Roma just being used for this election campaign once again Steve this time from the opposition side it seems like they could be I mean you know at least half of the city if not probably more you know are Roma fans I would imagine Roma has even a bigger following than Lazio in the city um mm-hmm. And if the freaking did throw their names behind Kalenda because he guaranteed a stadium of some sort, I would imagine that would probably be enough to put him over the top. I don't know politically where he stands and, you know, uh, how that would affect the election just without the stadium project. But you would think it would be a big boost for any candidate if the bigger, the biggest club in the city with such a big following gets behind a, a mayor candidate. It could, it could be enough just to sink Raji in the fact that the Roma pulled out of her project. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I, I, I probably just bank on that and then the rest you know let it let it write itself but Pelanda is apparently more ambitious than that um that wraps up our news for the week and as we said we're recording to you on the eve of Euro 2020 tomorrow is the match opener in Roma itself uh it will be Italy versus Turkey uh but unfortunately it was some devastating news today if you're a Roma fan because uh Roma's captain Lorenzo Pellegrini was forced to pull out the tournament entirely uh because of the repeat but I think soft tissue injury that he's been mm-hmm. struggling with all season. And he's been replaced with the late call-up of Fiorentina midfielder Gaetano Castorvili. Um, now, you know, me and you both rate Castorvili, uh, Steve, but obviously the, you know, we, we rate Pellegrini as well and, and we're devastated for him. I mean, he's, he's made no secret of his emotions over Instagram today saying that it was like really a lot, like a real, very bitter blow for him to take. Yeah. Um, how does this change Italy's odds at all going to this tournament now that, that they've had this last minute change is it does it does it change it for the good for the worse or are they about the same I think it probably stays about the same as long as Marco Verratti is healthy enough to come back uh, later in the group stage because at this point Pellegrini uh, if Verratti is fit is probably the fifth midfielder on the team I'd imagine behind the starting trio of Giorgino Barella Verratti Locatelli looks like the fourth in line as he's set to start tomorrow in place of the injured Verratti who has begun running again um, you know, Castrovilli has some offensive flair like Pellegrini. I don't rate him as highly as Pellegrini. Pellegrini had a much stronger season, I think. Um, Castrovilli kind of faded from what I saw in the Fiorentina ranks as the season wore on. He, I didn't hear his name too much uh, later on as Vlaovic was doing his thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's always, it's always a blow to lose a player. Um, he's not a starting 11 player as much as I like him uh, right now, at least for Italy. So I guess it doesn't hurt them 
too much. I don't, I want to say, I want to be optimistic about it, but I don't think it helps them in any way. I definitely don't think their odds are any better. Uh, probably pretty, pretty, pretty much where, you know, we left off, I think. Um, okay. You know, I think losing about- like a Badella would be a much bigger blow. Okay. So about, about the same. Give yeah, I'd say about the same, you know, yeah. sli- slightly weakened squad, but not, not a huge blow. What about Pellegrini's recurring injuries? I mean, we know he has, uh, I, I forgot what the term is, but that, that like foot injury that, that never ever goes mm-hmm. away, planktophysitis. And then now he's got, you know, recurring soft tissue injuries this whole season. Is this, is this a uh, summer break going to be finally putting, you know, at least uh, the soft tissue injuries behind him for good? Or, or is this something that is just going to keep rearing its ugly head? I hope so. I mean, granted, he did have these soft tissue injuries, but he played almost every match for Roma this year. He was one of the biggest minute players this season. Uh, I think Mancini was up there, and then I think Pellegrini was second or third. So even if he has had this kind of hampering him a bit, he has played through for the most part. So hopefully some time off, um, you know, a few weeks off will, you know, help help heal things a bit. There won't be so much pressure to get back as quickly as like during the season when you want to get back on because you're in the middle of a, a campaign trying to qualify for Champions League or make Europa League run. So hopefully a, a few weeks off, you know, start training light when, when you know, camp breaks. And then uh, hopefully uh, he's back fully fit for, you know, the opener probably at the, the end of August. League. Yeah. Nothing like the conference league to yeah. get him all up. <laughs> <laughs> to get you motivated too. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini is one name of many who is mixed up in transfer speculation this week, and that's what we're focusing on for the rest of the episode. We're going to focus on who are Roma throwing under the bus this summer transfer campaign because they are pursuing midfielders like it's nobody's business, and it suggests that there's going to be a midfield overhaul. There just isn't enough room for everybody, and uh, unfortunately, it's bringing in some of our favorite stars of uh, of this season just gone by who were star performers under Fonseca, but as we said in the weeks previous, may not be so hot under Jose Mourinho. So yeah, let's talk about the Catra Mercato and let's begin with that midfield because uh, we have a, a listener's question in today from Pinus, who was uh, at Jovan de Malisevic. And he asked Steve, do you think Roma needs a deep, deep line midfielder or would Jack do? It seems like Jocko would do based on um, what they're pursuing. I'm pretty sure that's the role he played at Arsenal, a deeper midfielder. He also played left back a bit last year from what I read. Um, so he's got to have some defensive characteristics to him. Um, it, it seems like this move is pretty imminent uh, from the reports. It seems yeah. like uh, Roma's somewhere in the 15 to 17 million, I think, euro range. I'm not sure if it's pounds or euros with uh, maybe yeah. bonuses might pull it up to 20 million euros. Um, the contract is a bit long from what I understand. Um, we could talk about five that too. Now. Five years now, probably to stretch out that amortization cost. So you're only paying like 4 million euros a year for amortization, another two and a half or so for salary, I think. But, uh, yeah. also from what I, from what I read, he, he wants to come to Roma. I think they had a, a higher offer elsewhere and he's pushing for the move to Rome from what I understood. I think, um, Mourinho has been a big fan of his for a while. I, uh, I heard that when he was on, you know, Arsenal and Mourinho was at both United and Spurs, he was one of those players Mourinho would key on. And you're only going to key on a player that you think could hurt you in some way. So Mm -hmm. Mourinho clearly rates him. I think it's good that if this is a player Mourinho wants, they bring him in. Uh, Whether he's the right player or not, we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, You know, time time will tell. Because I know the Arsenal reviews are mixed on him, um, Mm -hmm. you know. But I feel like that happens with, you know, some people like Pellegrini, some people trash Pellegrini, some people love VR, some people trash VR here in, yeah. in, in the Roma verse. So um, I think yeah. it's always a matter of, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder, but 
I looked at his progressive passing numbers. Like that's those are impressive. Um, yeah, I, I saw some the, of the numbers uh, are. The, I saw the the, the the link you sent me to. I think it was Cacho Datato, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, some some of those numbers were very impressive. I, I you know I'll, I'll be honest, I've been I've been very down on this move because I've well, I mean, I guess we'll have we'll have time to talk with when we talk about our next question, and I'll, I'll I'll be honest myself. But yeah, I was I was I've I've been feeling more optimistic today today for some reason. Maybe that's just some eleventh hour you know rationalization for my part. Yeah, but, I wasn't um, that uh, that hyped up on it to begin with, but as, as I as I read about it and I think about it, and I'm like, well, if this is a player Mourinho wants, and I look at some of his passing numbers, and I think about what we had this year in the defensive midfield, um, you know, it seems like he sometimes can turn off and have those brain farts, which we've dealt with plenty from our own players this year. But I think uh, there is some upside to this move, especially at the price. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But first, we just want to say that, yeah, it, I mean, I think people's main worry outside of the football is the length of the contract. Um, at first, we yeah. were talking about a four-year contract. And now it's finally been reported to five years, the full five years. Um, some people might not understand, but as you, as you just touched upon, Steve, it, you know, it really helps to uh, probably... Roma's in Roma's benefit to do this in one sense because with money being tight right now and the budget being tight, um, you know, you, as you said, you take down that, that yearly um, finance spend that you that you have to apportion to Jacques's contract. Uh, you take it down because you're paying it over five years instead of four. Mm-hmm. So it's really the difference between uh, Jacques being a, a 10 million a year player on, or above on the Roma expense bill and being below 10. Yeah. Um, so that's probably why they're, they're handing out five. But does that make you apprehensive in a way? But no, knowing that Jose Mourinho is typically a manager that lasts three years or less, you know, can you imagine Roma that, that stuck with Jacker two years afterwards once Mourinho's cleared off? Yeah, I mean, that is a bit of a concern because it is a player Mourinho wants. So even if Mourinho lasts the full three years and then it's done there, you still have Jacker for two more seasons. And then at that point, Jacker's pushing into his early 30s, probably about 30. 233, maybe even 34 by the time the contract runs on. If he's 28 or 29 right now, I know he's in his late 20s. Um, mm. So that could be an issue. But if the amortization value is low enough, uh, he's not so much of a burden on the books, making, I think I read, two and a half million euro net salary plus the maybe three and a half to four million you might have to amortize, amortize in uh, transfer value every year. Yeah. Um, so you'd, so you'd, have to, you'd have to add the gross on that. Not, not yeah. That. So whatever that, that gross ends up being. Again, the gross is lower because of the, the tax laws to yeah. the foreign imports. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, not the end of the world. One thing, you know, you have to say for Jaka, as much flack as he gets, he has been a pretty constant in the Arsenal lineup since he's been there through a couple different managers, um, mm-hmm. which, which could That's bode true. well, he, he, you know? He pointed that out himself, yeah. yeah. Right, let's, let's, let's talk about the football side of things, you know, because we got a question from Pifanio uh, Stel History, who is a regular now, so I'm getting used to his name. Uh he asked, what are the biggest strengths and weaknesses Xhaka would bring? And how would the signing impact the current roster? And anyone will anyone thrive playing with him in this current room side? Or is there anyone who will lose time and be sold as a result? And this is what we're going to keep attacking in this episode, Steve. So let's start right now with Xhaka. What, what are the implications for everyone else? Yeah, so just total you know, transparency. I don't watch much Arsenal. I don't know how much you watch over there in, in London, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going off of just a few, not even many clips I've watched yet. It's mostly been what I've read and numbers I've seen. Uh, the thing that impresses me most are the passing numbers because, you know, compared to what he's done in the Premier League to the top five leagues in Europe. So you're including, you know, Serie A, you're including France, Germany, and Spain, along with the Premier League in there. He's in the 94th percentile in passes completed per 90 minutes at over 62 passes per 90. And f- for his passes in the, um, you know, adversaries, 
final third, he's completed over 10 and a half passes per 90 minutes, which is in the 97th percentile. And his mm. progressive passes per 90 is uh, over nine, which puts him in the 91st percentile. So those are the numbers that really jump out at you, uh, where he can be uh, very good at picking a pass moving forward. You know, he's not a, yeah. a side-to-side Spanish midfielder who just plays a little tiki-taki just to keep the ball moving. He's, his passes are, are passes that are leading to the team moving forward, which is, which is a positive. But the, the counter to that for me, Steve, I don't want to interrupt your thought process, but this is why I was so down on this, on this move is because um, I looked at like a YouTube, like, like you said, I don't watch Arsenal, so I don't want to pretend like I do. Mm-hmm. I looked at a, a 10 minute highlight video uh, and I think it was titled um, why Xhaka is such an important player for Arsenal. So it's an Arsenal fan really trying his best to make him look like a, a mm-hmm. great player, right? Um, I looked at the best that he had to offer over 10 minutes. And those passes he were making, yeah, they found their target, but they were so slow mm. that by the time the ball reached the opponent's feet, uh, sorry, that his teammates' feet, the opponent had time to set themselves in position and just, you know, that they're just ready for whatever. Like they could even have a chat among themselves and say, "Do you want to <laughs> tackle him, or should I?" And so that, that's why I was down on this because, I mean, we have a player like this in Cristante, and you know, Cristante can make some lethal balls sometimes, but sometimes he he needs a little bit more time on, you know, to to get his feet together. Uh, Jacques is not someone who like Jacques seems to lack pace in the other way, and that he he doesn't necessarily. Well, maybe people say he's slow physically, but he seems to lack technical pace as well. Like his his balls are just slow and and easy and safe. Um, so it's you know it'd be like me take saying, hey Steve, you know, when I pass this cup of coffee to you, I'm gonna get 100% of the drops in the cup by the time you receive it. <laughs> but that, that's 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 saying nothing if I like literally slide it over the table. It's, we're right. not changing one's lives, you know. Um, so yeah, some of that I take with a grain of salt. I don't think it says the whole story. But as you said, you know, doing 10 passes into the opponent's defensive third every game is a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. it shows that you've got courage. So yeah, in that sense, that's what got me a little bit more optimistic after you sent that link. Yeah, I, that felt like I. I judged him a little bit too fast. But what what else do you see that he brings in terms of uh, strengths and weaknesses, and, and who who they work well with on this team? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, I, I, I'm guessing he would be the deeper lying of the midfielders if he's playing with like a Vertu. If Vertu is still here, we'll get into that later. But um, yeah. you would imagine he would play with a more box to box guy. I mean, is that the way you would see it? Because we're we're assuming, I guess, Mourinho at this point is playing a four two three one from what we've seen in him, you know, through his career. That's the thing, and this is why we probably should get to this Vertu thing right now, is in the 4 one I mean, we talked about this on the forum sometimes, about what it takes to make a good double pivot in terms of that, that deep line two in the midfield. And uh, it's really at its best when you have two deep midfielders where the opponent doesn't know which one's going to go mm. up front or not. You know, so you don't really know who to mark ahead of time. Uh, in a, a Jacques-Vertu pairing in deep midfield, I think it's going to be Vatu that's going to be running up every single time. Yeah. And Jack is going to be the one making the passes from deep. Um, that to me is not really a double pivot. That's like 4 2 3 1 on paper, but really in, in reality, it's something different. So, um, could in theory, uh, Brian Cristante be a better pairing in a, in a double pivot with Jacka, or is it just too, too now much, too much to, quicksand? I'd, I'd probably have to say yes. Um, I, I'll tell you, like, Vatu does bring one thing. He, he, in this Fiorentina days, he showed that he has an eye for a long ball himself. Mm-hmm. So if they both stay deep at the beginning, you might not know who's going to pass it forward or not, but you do know who's going to run forward. Right. Be that too. 
you know? Yeah. And that was the um, problem with, I think, VR2 paired with DOR or VR also. It's the VR, same kind yeah. of idea. Yeah. V, VR joked about this, 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 this in public this three season. And this is kind of what, you know, got on people's nerves about VR is that like, he says these things that are quite honest, but in a, in a joking way, which is like, kind of like masking the truth that he's trying to get ahead. He said, you know, uh, me and that too, we, we talk about on the pitch and we say, you know, one, this time I'm going to run forward, next time you'll run forward. But in reality, that too just goes up every time and yeah. I'm left behind. Um, and I think that's that's what's going to happen with, with Jacker if you're playing 4 2 3 1. It makes more sense to me um, to go to 4 3 3, where you push up that too with someone like Pellegrini, for example. They're both playing the Mizzella position. They're both, that way you don't really know who's going to make the run off the ball. And it's, it's harder to defend that way. But then you're left with the fact that Jacques like the, the lone midfielder, the lone register. Yep. And I don't know if he really can perform that role from what I'm hearing Arsenal fans. I, it's not really clear to me either way. So that leads me to the big conclusion is that I don't see much space in this team that Mourinho is building for our favorite regulars right now, whether that be Vatu or Pellegrini. Um, I don't know who's going to thrive playing next to Xhaka other than a brand new signing uh, or, yeah. or Cristante maybe, but uh, well, Cristante could actually run up front, but I don't know if he, I don't, I don't know if Jack is really going to take turns with Cristante or anyone in terms of making those runs forward. How about you? Uh, for Arsenal, do we know, did he mostly just kind of sit back and dictate play from the deep lying midfield without making those runs? I, I got that impression, but I know that before he came to Arsenal, he was mostly playing attacking midfield for, mm. um, I forgot who, who it was he was playing for, but um, yeah, he started out as like a number 10 in the hole and uh, still play, where's that number for Switzerland? So um, I I don't know. I just hope that we're signing someone who uh, does bring out the best and, and works well with other people, but a lot a lot of people, a lot of Roma fans are jumping to the conclusion that that guy's going to be Vertu and I struggle to see it, honestly. I really struggle. I struggle to see Vatu's place in a in defensive midfield in general because he's just he's good at moving up. He's good. He's literally to the definition. He's he's an attacking midfielder for me. Yeah, they signed him from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Okay, there you and go. Prior to that was Basel, where he uh, came through the ranks. I think. Um, so I, th- I think it was uh, Unai. If I'm mis- not mistaken, it was Unai Emery's. Uh, mis- uh, uh, idea to like move him back into midfield kind of like what happened to Cristante yeah uh, going from Atlanta to Roma and uh, he's done you know he's apparently done a good job adapting but um yeah I don't I, I know one thing that he does bring um in terms of character is that he's a fighter you know like yes he brings a ton of strength so in that sense that's where his story kind of differs from Cristante a little bit or at least from the, the atmosphere that surrounded Cristante in Rome by now is that Jacker will come in and he he will he will want to win games and want to win balls. You know? Yeah, that I did read. Uh, I, I read he also brings some leadership qualities, which are probably some yeah. of the things Mourinho is looking at. We know Mourinho likes fighters. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that goes without saying. That's why I don't think Diawara or VR bodes well their future in the yeah. capital because Diawara doesn't. He's not as good as he could be as a defensive midfielder when he's on his game. He's not really a fighter from what I've seen. You know, he's a little oh, more yeah. silky smooth. Same with VR. He's more that ticky tock Spanish midfielder. Um, where Jaka will give you a little more muscle, a little more fight. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty big guy. I mean, six foot and a half, 181, not, not, not a small size for a footballer. Um, he's not Cristante big, you know, in terms of height and everything, but pretty big guy. He's going to be 29 in just a week or so. Um, so, you know, the, the contract takes him through his 34 season. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, 
not a lot of tackles for a guy who does have that fight. I'm looking at his numbers as a midfielder last year, um, just 1.87 tackles per 90. Um, Could it be mostly shoulders to shoulders? Yeah. Let's go more in England than than they're allowed in Italy. That's true. Yeah. Um, Which kind of brings us to our next next guy, next transfer rumor, which is uh, Marcel Sabitza from Red Bull Leipzig. Now, this guy, I notice he is silky smooth in defending and deadly effective at it. He does, from what I've seen, he, he doesn't really tackle. Uh, and when he does, he makes sure to win the ball, that's for sure. But he's not really much for tackling. He's more of a, like, he, he will brush you off just ever so slightly and win it. Um, or or he'll, he'll just get in the lane and take it off you. And I, I, I really like that kind of defensive midfielder. Oh, and he's, he's not, not a really big guy. I'm looking at his size for a guy who, as you described him, he's only five foot yeah. nine, 154 pounds. Okay, and and he's not even really a defensive midfielder. He's really yeah. more of an all-round guy. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so this, uh, we know uh, we reported this this morning on Kiriti Tati, but it comes from the Athletic. Uh, he told Red Bull Leipzig apparently this week that he wants to leave the club now. They've got about two, just under two weeks, just over two weeks. Sorry to to act to react to that before the. Summer transfer window opens. Uh, how feasible is it that Sabitza, of all people, moves to Roma, given that he's actually quite in demand, Steve? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, this could be one where the Jose Mourinho effect has some pull, maybe. If this is a guy Mourinho wants to pair with Jaka, um, maybe it happens. But I, I, from what I've read, so it's funny enough that he's been linked because when I wrote my Euro piece, I picked a player, a key player from each side. Um, I did catch some flack because I put uh, UC Urn in as the keeper for Finland. He's not the starting keeper, yeah. so I apologize. <laughs> and, and you, and, and you, you called Scotland the lack of yes. headline names. I missed a couple. I didn't realize a couple of the Scottish player, uh, players played for some of the bigger Premier League clubs, so I apologize for the uh, miss on the, the Liverpool guy there. I forget his name off the top of my head. Robertson. Um, it was uh, McTominay just caught my eye because we played United so recently, I guess. Yeah. Um, but for Austria, I did pay Sabitza because he plays for Leipzig. Um, and when I was doing my research, I saw that not this past Champions League, but the year before, I think they played, uh, I think it was PSG or somebody. And he really um, dazzled a bit in that match and really caught people's mm-hmm. attention and still had some good numbers this year. And another thing I'm looking at his um, comparisons versus the top five leagues, um, FB reference for anybody who look, looks for these kind of advanced stats and stuff. It's a great website, fbref.com. Um, his progressive passing ranks in the 93rd percentile for midfielders across Europe's big five leagues at almost seven progressive passes per 90. So these are both guys that could move the, the ball forward. Um, you know, and, he gets, and in Sabitz's case, from what I've seen, it's a, a lot faster, like fast yeah. balls. Like, and, and like he'll do first time passes as well. So like before the defense, even though it knows what's coming, it's a ball over the top and, and he's found like a, a Red Bull Leipzig teammate behind behind the back line, ready for a goal. So yeah, I love that. Eight goals, three assists, and twenty-seven Bundesliga matches this year, um, with an xG of seven point two. So outperformed his xG a bit. Um, his non-penalty xG was four point two, uh, and his assist numbers were pretty good. I mean, uh, he ranked in the ninety-fourth percentile for assists per ninety. His shots total per ninety was in the ninety-eighth percentile. So this guy, this is a guy that likes to attack. Yeah. He, he reminds me a lot of Renato Sanchez, who was you know, linked with us uh, earlier in the spring, in the sense that he's really like an attacking or maybe an all-rounder kind of midfielder, like kind of like Paul Pogba kind of, mm. kind of role. Um, but he will find joy moving up the pitch by going up wide on the flanks, um, which is getting more and more popular nowadays because you have a lot of you know, tacticians who like to do overloads on the flanks before they hit the weak side. 
Uh, but Sabitzer doesn't. He's, he's not looking to attract people on, onto onto the flank with him so that he can, you know, sort of like, you know, rope a dope them. He he can literally just run through you um, on his way to the box, or he'll he'll find a great pass, like really incisive pass to someone up front, and then he'll he'll make that run off the ball to the penalty area and become a goal for it himself, or even put in the final ball if he gets the one two back. Um, I really like his interpretation of the game and, and the player he's become. It, it, granted, I like 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 I don't watch a lot of Arsenal. I don't watch a lot of likes, but I did watch those Champions League games where they faced Tottenham Hotspur, um, and I think that PSG game, or maybe it was Bayern. I can't remember. No, it couldn't be Bayern. Um, it must have been Spurs and PSG um, in the last two seasons. And Sylvester was always there, like always a goal threat in the final third. Um, but you know, if it's maybe a very very ambitious idea to think that Roma could beat everyone else in the punch and sign him. At what cost do we want this, Steve? Uh, well, you haven't even said if you want it or not, but I would love it. But who does it mean pushing out the first 11? Because we're, we're talking about him as if he's the he's the main guy who can make a, a partnership click with with Jacka in that deep line midfield role. Yeah, I mean, so first off, I think if the price range that I'm seeing, I think I saw somewhere in that 15 to 20 million euro range also, because he's kind of pushing yeah. his way out of uh, Leipzig. If you can make that happen, I think for a player, this quality, you have to, you have to go for it. Yeah, um, he's, got it one, he's got one year left on his deal. So that's yes. Uh, similar situation to Belotti when we get to Belotti. Um, and it's funny enough. So FB reference will give you a list of 10 players that are similar. Uh, I don't know how their algorithm works, whether it's qualities or stats or whatever, but one of the 10 players on that list is Jordan Ver too. Um, oh, really? <laughs> so I guess if we want to answer that question, I guess the, the player that might uh, take a back seat or maybe be sold as a result could be a Vertu type player. Um, you know, and who knows if Vertu, I mean, I'm sure he's excited to work with Mourinho, but if a Champions League club comes and offers a role after he's had two non Champions League seasons in Rome and may, a third coming up, you know, mm-hmm. he came to Rome from Fiorentina, I'm sure, to play on the bigger stage. Uh, and he hasn't had yeah. that. So, who knows if he might say, you know, I'm in my late 20s now. Maybe it's time for me to make a move. That's why I don't necessarily understand people's perception of that to inside the Romaverse. Because yeah. if you look at his career, I mean, okay, he started out as like part of the golden generation of youth with in the same generation as Paul Pogba uh, winning those um, like under 21 matches with him. Goes to like plays in the league now for a little bit. Gets his big move to Aston Villa when he's still young in his early 20s. Gets relegated with Aston Villa. Takes a drop down to Serie A to play with Fiorentina, plays in a very disorganized side where he he looks like a star because he's trying very hard, but still they're they're battling relegation to to mid table at best. Then moves to Roma. He's in his late twenties now. You know, if you just divorce yourself from being a Roma fan for a second, that's not the CV of a of a player who's going places. If, if you know what I mean. So like I I I'm not, I, I know it sounds like I'm trying to talk down draft too, which I am, but I I do think he could be a real difference maker if he's um, trusted as an attacker midfielder in a big club mm-hmm. in the Champions League side. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's not beyond the question that he moves to a fellow Conference League club next year in Tottenham Hotspur if they, if they hire uh, Paolo Fonseca. Mm. So, you know, he, he works well under Fonseca's football there. Yeah. Maybe he'll like the, the bright lights of the Premier League and, and pushing for Champions League football there for next season. Yeah, so I, I just clicked on uh, Vertu because there's a quick compare button on the two. And in terms of if we're looking for a little more defense to go in the defense in a double pivot type setting, uh, they played literally almost the same amount of minutes. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty fluid comparison. Um, 
it was 2,026 minutes for Sabitzer, 2,053 for Vertu, and these are league minutes, so Serie A and the Bundesliga. And mm-hmm. Sabitzer had better tackling numbers, 1.69 to 1.18 in uh, per 90 minutes. So uh, better tackling numbers. Let's see what other defensive what, numbers. What, what about dribble dribble pass? Dribble so uh, in terms of pressure, he, he had bo- better success pressuring the ball, 33.7% to 26.1%. Um, he was dribbled past once, just about once per game where Vertu is 1.23 per match. Um, okay. better interception numbers. Football. Yeah. Much better interception yeah. numbers. 1.6 to 0.53, better clearance numbers, uh, tackles plus interceptions are almost double. So he seems to, yeah. uh, he, and you know, I, I've always thought of Vertu as a fairly defensively minded play, not defensively minded, but defensively, you know, solid player. But the more I watch him, I, you know, especially this year, he was, and, and maybe you brought this to my attention a few times in the podcast. And that's kind of what opened my eyes is he gets dribbled past fairly easily. Sometimes he's yep. not, he's not Big that time. great defensively. And I, I guess I had this misconception before we really started breaking down his game a couple times on here. And uh, which is probably why the double pivot didn't work so great under Fonseca when it was him and some of these other guys. But, but here's my real concern is that you, you know, you, you spelled out those numbers and the difference is, is noticeable, but it's not that big because yeah, Vertu was Vertu was playing in a in a side that congested the midfield, so he had less defense defensive work to do because he could rely on a, on a teammate to do it. Mm-hmm. If you take him to a Mourinho side, suddenly the midfield looks more spaced out. It's more about counterattacking. It's more about individual interpretation. I think the difference between him and Sabitzer would would grow even further. You know, you'd see like a chasm where where Vertu gets dribble pass, and that's always been my concern with him. Like even when I wrote that review, uh, sorry, preview of his signing uh, on the on the week he actually signed for Roma, um, I saw a clip where he got uh, done on the inside by Matteo Politano, cutting him onto his, I think it was left foot, which everyone knows you never let Politano yeah, cut inside. Ever. All left foot. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, if if you can, if Vertu can, you know, let himself get done like that, then you've got to really wonder, like, what you know, can this guy actually defend? Yeah. And uh, I know uh, a member of our forum this week did like a, a comparison with Google Sheets and I didn't get the time to look at it, but uh, the people reacted to it. And one guy said, well, if there's one thing I've taken out of all of that is that Vertu uh, cannot defend, you know, like just to ram that yeah. point home. Um, so, yeah, I think he was well protected on Fonseca's side. Um, I, I, I really think that he might meet his end in, in the Mourinho side and it, it might be of his benefit or will be of his benefit to... Uh, maybe link up with Fonseca or maybe go to the side, like you're saying, that would play him further up the pitch mm. where he won't have to defend and he'll yeah. just rely on his biggest strength because he, he is a difference maker with his runs into the final third. Yes, we've you know, seen that. Yeah. Especially on the counter. It was in the first Fonseca season, early in the season. He, I remember that one crazy late goal we had against somebody. I don't remember who it was, Bologna or somebody, and he was instrumental I mean, in that play. I think it was Parma. Parma, maybe. maybe. Yeah, with a wicked shot that went yeah. right in like a million, yeah. Um, but, attack and reveal is, is where we're going to go to next because, uh, yeah, as, as you may have guessed by now, there are many names to to vying for that position uh, in the final third, but not enough to, to really get game time for Roma next season. So let's address more of your listeners' questions on that issue after the commercial break. All right, we're back and we're here to talk about the recent Lorenzo Pellegrini rumors and even some Javier Pistori quotes, uh, quotes thrown in uh, in between. Uh, but first of all, a question from James Salvaggio, James Wilde, at uh, Jimmy Canoli. 
Uh, he says, Steve, please ease my mind that our captain will not be leaving us. Well, James, I, you know, I also would like my mind ease. I'd be shocked at if Pellegrini left at this point, uh, newly minted captain um, for just a few months, Roman born and bred, which, you know, that, that, that relationship is usually a tough one to break, uh, especially when it's someone who seems pretty happy at the club, pretty content in the city. Uh, you know, younger guy with, with a young family growing up in the city. And it seems like he's happy there. And I, I think he's excited to work with Mourinho. I, I, find it hard to believe many players outside of you know they wouldn't say it publicly but i'm sure there's a couple guys that have the reservations about playing under Mourinho because the maybe the tactical fits but i think pellegrini uh it would take the club wanting to move him to to go at this point or some kind of mega offer i i think you know the media creates stories um i think this could be one of them Do, do you feel the same way sean well let's be clear first the story we're talking about is uh liverpool Yes, I saw Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sniffing around Pellegrini's release clause, uh, which we is still a very nebulous uh, concept in itself. So we, we, the details around that release clause seemingly always change. Uh, but uh, Liverpool, we know, are looking for their Gigi Wijnaldum replacement. And you know, if you if you believe the internet speculation, then they've identified their target, and it's Renzo Pellegrini, who could be available for anywhere between twenty-seven million release clause to forty million. Some sites say. Um, courtoffside.com even went as far to claim personal terms have been agreed between Lorenzo Pellegrini and Liverpool. Not sure how much I believe that, but yeah, uh, there, there is a precedent for this, Steve, in terms of a Roma hometown born and bred player who is forced out the club to because Roma needs the money and he goes to Liverpool themselves and doesn't have a great time of it after that. And his name is Alberto Aquilani. So, um, would uh, so I, I forgot you asked me a question first. What, what, were, you, what were you getting at? Um, I was just asking if you if you thought this was just pretty much media fodder that it was being oh. made up. Um, I really don't know. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe Pellegrini would would say goodbye to Roma. Yeah, but if you're talking about players who publicly might not admit that they wouldn't get along with Mourinho's football, I think Pellegrini could be on that list of players mm. because um, I don't really. I mean, we've talked about could he be the Wesley Snyder on this team, but it's not really a question of whether Pellegrini is suited to his football, but whether he um, is at a high enough level that he's going to get enough game time when put in competition with Henrik Mkhitaryan, first of all, um, and Jordan Vertu, and you know, who knows who else Roma will sign to bits. Uh, you know, like, is there enough time to go around in terms of everyone there? Um, and Pellegrini is very conscious about his career. He's still only 24. You know, when he arrived to Roma, he signed that release clause based on, on appearances, so you know it would it would get activated or or, or it would be at, if we're to believe the story is it would be um, kept low at a certain number if he wasn't played enough mm-hmm. and it would go higher the more more playing time he gets. So he's he's a very you know he's he's a career minded person. Right? He he loves the club, not questioning that. But you know we're seeing a, a new breed of uh, of Roman Roman player who you know look, thinks about life beyond the club. Um, so I. I I'm 50-50 right now. It really depends on what kind of conversation Mourinho has had with Pellegrini about his role and, and how much playing time he'll be guaranteed next year, which we don't know. Yeah, or if he's even had a conversation yet. We don't even know if he's spoken yeah. to him yet, uh, which is yeah. why I, it, it, if this were to happen, I couldn't see it happening until later in the summer when that conversation happens, if there's some kind of uh, not seeing eye to eye on role or something like that. I think it would take more than just uh, an early rumor in the Mercato with Liverpool making an approach for, 
I think, player or club to consider it. You know, mm. crazier things have happened. I remember when Aquilani got sold, I was pretty uh, upset about that because I, I thought he was so a pretty was good I. prospect. Um, yeah. The, it hadn't dawned on me yet that Roman needed to sell players to, to Yeah, live. Yeah, exactly. It was still pretty early in my fandom, and I was like, well, we have Totti, De Rossi, Aquilani, these, like, Roman born and bred, like, that romanticism around the club. Um, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately for Aquilani, injuries kind of ruined any any chance he had of succeeding at yeah. Liverpool, kind of ruined his career. Um, how, how do you think Pellegrini would fare hypothetically? Obviously, we don't want it to happen, but if, if he takes a move to like Liverpool or Barcelona, be linked as well, uh, would he be successful abroad? Would we immediately regret it as he goes on to win, you know, multiple I mean, awards, if, if he's in a system where he can play offensive enough, like a Klopp system or, or whoever's coaching Barcelona next year, I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, the Premier League is more physical than Serie A uh, for the most part. And you know, he could get banged around a bit, I think, in, in, a, in the midfield battles in the Premier League. But I think if he's able to just express himself, he could certainly open teams up and playing in like that Trey Cortista type role if he's got enough protection around him. And that, that was where Aquilani came out short, is that he couldn't, he couldn't live with the physicality yeah. of the Premier League. But in, in a Klopp team, you're right. It's, it's like we were just talking and discussing with Fonseca, is that it's, you, you know, you, you pack the team, you pack every area of the pitch as you can with teammates. So he would have, uh, players ready to like take that pressure off him in terms of you know contrast and and give him more time on the ball to do his thing. Um, also, uh, another guy who he may or may not be competing with for that AMC position next year is Javier Pastore. But if we believe Pastore's quotes just yesterday, then he won't be because uh, Pastore spoke to the TV program Show Sport and declared that Roma and Pastore himself are working on how to mutually terminate his stay with the club to the benefit of everyone. Um, not that's not my words as a pastor's own words uh, in his own view he says they're discussing either him leaving this summer or upping his game time next season so it seems like he wants to play but that's it's a noble idea in principle um if your body can't handle it then it's kind of a mute discussion um pastor also claims that a return to boyhood club Teleres in argentina is inevitable sooner or later uh, Steve, what do you make of this? We, we've heard these kind of noises before in terms of like, you know, there's, there's discussions about whether they should part ways or not, and then nothing happens and they still at the club next year. I mean, the fact that it's coming out of his mouth this time um, leads me to believe that something might be in the works uh, or at mm-hmm. least being discussed. Um, would he cancel his contract, similar to what Mikatarian did at Arsenal, to be able to get a free move elsewhere? If he really wants to go back to Argentina, maybe. Uh, it would save Roma some money, certainly. I'm sure they're still paying off his, you know, his transfer fee too, which is no fun. But at least if he get the salary off the books, if he were to rescind his contract, it might not be a bad thing because you know they're not going to be able to sell him anywhere for any kind of decent money. I don't think at this point mm. with the injury issues. Mm. I forgot how much they need to actually break even with him, but uh, but uh, I think it's somewhere in the 15 million range, which I, I don't think any club is going to yeah. pull that out right now. Like you said, um, so yeah. The general theme here is too many attacking midfielders and uh, not enough spaces to go around. And some people are going to get sacrificed, most likely more than one. Um, let's talk about goalkeepers. We, we will get to Andre Balotti later on. You know that you want us to touch upon him, but uh, quickly, briefly talk about goalkeepers because that seems like another imminent move might be happening, Steve. Uh, Ray Patricio from Wolverhampton Wanderers, who I, I made the mistake in the early weeks saying that that was Mourinho's protege at Manchester United. It was actually someone totally different. Uh, Patricio is a veteran by now, as we know. Um, what do you think about his rumored availability that he, he would be available for around 78 million euros as, as a starting bid? Uh, how do we feel about that, Roma signing yet another keeper when we have three, three on deck already? It's a, you know, it's, it's a cheap deal, which is the benefit of it. He's a veteran. 
Um, he's played on the Portuguese national team, won a Euro Cup with Portugal. He's played with Wolves in, in the Premier League. Um, I think they made it up as far as the Europa League. So, you know, he's an experienced guy. Um, from what I've read, um, you know, pretty dependable keeper. Again, he's older. Um, I, I, it doesn't excite me. Uh, if you're asking <laughs> if it like excites me, it's not like, you know, Cranio or Musa or someone young that, you know, maybe Roma could build around uh, long term. You know, this might be kind of a, a stopgap solution for a couple seasons, maybe for the length of Mourinho's contract. Who knows? Because the keeper at 33 probably still has two to three good years in him. Um, do, most likely. Do, we, do we need do we need an exciting keeper right now though because uh, like we said we, we looked at Marino's career he's never been known for signing keepers which is, and he still gets results anyway yeah which is why this move probably makes makes sense because it keeps Roma at a budget signing um mm-hmm. you know older guy probably not going to command a huge salary at this point um 93 caps for his national side which is a decent sized national team you know Portugal's not a huge nation but they have had success recently um yeah. So it makes sense. And I think you're right. We don't necessarily need an exciting keeper. We don't need that blockbuster Donnarumma type keeper. Uh, I'll bring that name up because I've seen that name linked recently. Um, And you're right. If Mourinho just wants a guy who's going to save shots, um, not make mistakes, then this might be a a decent direction to go from everything I've I've heard about him. You know, I haven't seen him play a ton either, but. From most of what I've heard as well, that's the general general Mm -hmm. view. But one guy who disagrees is our editor, Brent. So what what do you make of this, this, this this soundbite that's that on Twitter that's gone uh, st- stirred up a bit of a storm this week that uh, Brent called them the Orquezas Hotty, we should say. <laughs> we called them the Paulo Lopez of Portuguese keepers. Well, what, what's bringing this up is because Brent actually looks at these numbers and reckons that um, with the, the PSXG on FBRF.com, mm-hmm. you mentioned before, um, is actually low for, for Patricia. So in plain English, apparently, he's actually not a good shot stopper or, or below average shot stopper. Yeah, so but, but I actually, else, I'm going off, something different. Yeah, I'm going through a lot of the comments. So it's it's funny um, because David Amayal uh, actually put out a tweet asking for people's opinion to our big Premier League watchers about Xhaka in Serie A and Patricio in Serie A because they're both heavily linked to Roma. Look like pretty imminent deals. Um, mm. So it was ironic that it came out today. So I you know commented saying you know curious to see some of the reactions, and you know most of the things I'm reading here about Patricio are positive. You know. Um, he's still a very good goalkeeper. Uh, he's class. Wolves will make a mistake selling him. Um, Patricio will certainly succeed in Serie A. He's been solid everywhere he's played, getting up there in age, but a good goalkeeper for another couple of years, especially if he's cheap. Um, you know, those are some of the comments I'm seeing just quick because there's quite a few scrolling through on Patricio. Another guy, mm. Patricio was always good everywhere. Um, you know, I should have pulled some of these up for our Jocka talk earlier, but you know, um, some people even just do we, do we have do we have any gifs of Patricio making clangers on the ball where he just you know lets in a goal that he shouldn't have? Yeah, I mean, one guy did say I don't see Patricio that good of a goalie stuck in his net a fair bit and doesn't come off the line well. But I don't know if that's okay. what um, Fonseca probably wouldn't have valued him as much as a Mourinho based on you know what we're seeing about him. Fair enough. Well, we're gonna have to look at this PSXG stat close over the next season because uh you know we're we're coming up against the wall here where we've we've written off Paulo Lopez all of us and uh, he's come back and, and proven us wrong and we we don't want to make the same mistake with Rui Patricio but uh or speaking of another man that you just mentioned how how realistic are the the links between the ultimate glamour signing in goal and Roma Steve Gigi Donnarumma who 
is rumored to be signing on for PSG, but then immediately taking a one-year loan elsewhere because there's competition in Paris for the keeper jersey. So could, could Roma really get Donnarumma alone? As, as nice as it would seem, uh, and in theory, how big of a boost it would provide for the team in terms of you know quality in the back, I can't see it happening. If, if Donnarumma is going to sign a contract at PSG, I think he expects to play there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's planning on playing in the Champions League next year with somebody. Um, I know that the Juve rumors died down after Allegri was hired. I, it seems for all, you know, all signs are pointing to Paris at this point. I can't see him leaving alone after he signs a deal. It doesn't make much sense to me. At that point, you might, have, yeah. might as well have stayed at Milan for a little less money than the starting goalkeeper. Fair enough. I agree with you. Um, would be nice if it happened, though. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It, it, it would be a dream if it happened, even, even for one season. You know, it would be yeah. like that kind of Chesney loan we had a couple of years ago. Yeah. What about the exit door, the revolving keeper door, the other, the other direction? Uh, you sent up a report from Massa my way today where uh, they reckon Atletico Madrid, of all clubs, are interested in signing Paul Lopez as their number two. Uh, is that feasible? Uh, one, because I looked it up and Roma would need uh, exactly 14.1 million euros to break even on Paul Lopez this summer on his original transfer fee, thanks to amortization. Um, and two, would Paul Lopez really want to go to be number two elsewhere? Mm. Interesting scenario. Um, I don't know if they get 14.1 for a backup um, on another team. That seems like a, a bit much for a backup. So it might have to be a loan just to get the salary off the books for another year. Um, and then maybe it becomes a feasible move next year. You know, yeah. uh, he's definitely not starting at Atletico. Um, and who kno- there, yeah. yeah, with uh, whose cap is there? Is, uh... is it, I thought, is, isn't O Black still there? Or O Black, O Black, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's not starting there. Uh, if he plays, he's going to be sparingly. So it depends for him. You know, he was, like we had mentioned a couple episodes ago, he was in the Spanish national team setup as like the, the second choice keeper at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not really a way to reestablish his career um, back in the Spanish side or, you know, really anywhere at this point. Uh, I could see going to Atletico might be attractive because they just won the, the La Liga title. Um, mm. But you think as a keeper, his age, mid-20s or so, he'd want to play. Yeah. Like but if they can unload him, you know, all, all the power to Diego Pinto, yeah. Oh, if they if they loan him permanently, then yeah. But yeah. Diego Pinto would be a magician. But um, I think alone maybe is the only realistic sense because then, like you said, uh, they're at least getting his wages off the book. Um, yeah. You know, we will go into our finances later this summer. But Lopez is, is definitely no cheap prospect he's in the top three most expensive or, or four most expensive players at the club right now and yeah with Roma and he's uh, coming off an injury too so he won't even start training till probably late in the summer yeah uh let's get to one guy who James Salvaggio wants us to talk about and we want to talk about because we both like him we both like him for Roma it's Andrea Bellotti um James Salvaggio says Lotti discussion would be nice uh Steve you saw he spotted an article today from the AC Milan offside that claim Milan have lost the race to sign Bellotti for next season and specifically lost that race to Roma. So is that good if true or, or do you have any reservations about Bellotti at all? I was surprised to see that. It's almost like a, a Milan site uh, throwing in the towel pretty early, you know, to, to report that rumor. I don't know how true it is or not. Um, I, I know one of uh, the, the, our, the Pellegrini fans I follow on Twitter always likes to display pictures of Bellotti and Pellegrini together with the national setup, uh, even with Florenzi. And there was even a, uh, someone, I think it was somebody else today, posted a joking picture of him. And it was like Pellegrini talking to Bellotti, like, you know, Trigori is like 
two streets down and make a right like kind of thing. So um, I guess a lot of people are hoping the influence of those players that he's very friendly with on the national team will, will help push that along. Uh, if true, I'd love, I'd love it. You know, I've been saying this for months. I, you know, I've, I've been wanting Belotti for a couple summers now. Now is probably the most feasible time to make the move because of his contract situation and maybe the influence of Jose. Um, I, I think he'd be a, a perfect fit. I've been saying this for a while. And if, if Roma can make it happen, by all means in the 20 to 25 range, I've seen rumored. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%, but I'd be amiss if I didn't try and present the other side of the argument and people's reservations of Velotti. We know that his main uh, source of all his powers is athleticism um, and how he can like really be this guy who just run through you on the break and even have enough in the tank left after like running 40 yards on a yeah. mad run to just, you know, smash it in the back of the net. So the, the reservation with players like that is that um, normally you know they get one injury and they're a different player. But we know with Bellotti, he's been through the worst of that. And he's still coming out the other end with you know, double figures and unfortunately now being relied upon more to create for Torino as well, mm-hmm. which has kind of brought his, his overall numbers down. But he's still just as active as ever in terms of pitch coverage. Um, you know, some people are expressing reservations about the price we're getting him at or rumored to be getting him at and the, the goal return specifically because everyone loves goals right there's no mm-hmm. reason not to um so do you do you see Belotti becoming a prolific goal scorer in Roma or are you not bothered by that you know is, is he is he a guy who needs in a team just to be that battering ram up front regardless of whether he scores or not I don't know if he'll ever score the 26 goals he scored uh in 16-17 for Torino when he had 26 goals seven assists uh, mm. And only two of those were PKs, so 24 goals, you know, in the run of play. Yeah. Um, very impressive. You know, this yeah. year the, the goal numbers were down to 13. You know, he, after the 26, he's had 10, 15, 16, and 13 for Torino. But you mentioned he bumped his assist total back up to 60. He's playing on a side that's not very good. You know, yeah, yeah. not a lot of creative players around him to supply him the ball. You know, he's usually partnered with like Simone Zaza up front, uh, players like that. So he's got to do a lot of the work himself. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I would expect 26 again, like I said, but I could see him pushing in the 18 to 20 range on a club like Roma, getting this, the, the supply of balls he'd probably be getting from the Mkhitaryans and Pellegrinis and maybe Zaniolos of the world, guys who mm. can create. Um, you know, I'm looking at some of his numbers compared to other strikers across Europe's top five leagues. Uh, he's in the 90th percentile for strikers for progressive carries with five and a half progressive carries per 90 minutes, which means he is not afraid to bring the ball up the pitch, um, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is something we don't, always see from strikers he three and a half shot creating actions we uh, see it we see it from Belotti often like he makes he makes yeah. the highlight reel because of his yeah. things like that yeah. yeah you know compared to what we have right now shot creating actions three and a half per matches in the 89th percentile for strikers shoots the ball over three times per match which is in the top 82 percentile so um even if his expected assist was over the 80th percentile so some good numbers for a guy who's you know, a goal scorer, so to speak, um, yeah. and like a battering ram. So definitely can do more than meets the eye, I'd say. I think I think the goal numbers, though, would jump up if that's what you're asking because um, he's going to have more more supply, I think. Yeah, I am asking also because the, another reservation people have is the idea of Belotti moving to a bigger club where, in theory, he wouldn't get as much space to run into because mm-hmm. you're facing, now, now you're facing more smaller sides who apparently, in theory, will sit back um, and try and you know block up that space, but I, I'm not sure if I agree with that because if anything, like you know, we did our season reviews and we saw at the top of the table 
the the teams that won the most points were were counterattacking and direct football teams like mm-hmm. Milan, um, Inter, um, Atlanta were actually more of a possession based side, but they, they could still do direct football when they want to. Uh, but again, they came out second best. Um, and then you have Juve doing counters, but their season didn't go so well. But you know, at, at the top of the table, the common theme there is um, teams, uh, you know, doing direct football on the break, which is blotty style. Yeah, um, I think that Serie A has changed now. You know, there's like, there's a lot of young coaches and and modern quote quote unquote coaches, if you want to use that term, uh, in mid table and at the bottom who have grand ideas. And you know, the, the, the general fashion right now is for smaller sides to come out and try and win the ball early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that means leaving space behind. So I think I think that's why Belotti is wanted by not just Roma but by Milan because yeah, the, the makeup of the league right now is that you know a guy like that can be successful. But I don't know. Is there anything I'm overlooking? Am I being too optimistic about this signing, Steve? No, I think I think you're right about the direct football. I think you know he's the perfect striker for direct football, uh, and then you pair him with like a guy like Zaniolo if he comes back fit, who also likes to play direct, and we could really run at teams. We said all along what we were missing this year was a big, powerful runner with the ball when Zaniolo went down, and now we mm. could potentially have two if we could sign Belotti. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm excited about it. What what do we expect from uh, him tomorrow? Does he start tomorrow? What, what about his summer with Italy? Is it is it going to be a success or? Does it does it matter at all? You know, do 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 you see Torino basically waiting out the summer to see what Belotti can do in an Italy jersey and and wait for the offers and the dollars to roll in? So tomorrow, Chiro Immobile starts. Um, I think a hundred percent. He had a, a very good friendly last Friday against the Czech Republic, from what I saw. Um, I think he starts. I think Belotti has a role off the bench, maybe the first couple of matches. If Chiro's not scoring it, maybe Italy needs a goal, or if you want to just give Chiro a rest toward the end of the match. Um, I could see him starting one of the group stage matches, especially maybe if you want to, if you win the first two and you want to rest Cheeto in the third match. Um, but I think he, it, it all really depends on Immobile, um, how much playing time Belotti gets. Cause I think Cheeto's earned the number one job for the, the national side. And I think Belotti's probably first guy off the bench, but Raspadori offers a different compliment uh, to the national side. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out the striker position, but I think it, it really all depends on Cheeto. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Um, that pretty much wraps up all the incoming rumored signings that have never played from before. But then, you know, incoming isn't limited to people who, are, who would be fresh faces at Rome. Um, it can also mean returning low knees, and we've covered that on the on kizidatotti.com in writing. But here we're ready to do it on the podcast with two names in particular, Steve, both on the wing, Justin Cliver on one side and Jengis Under on the other side. And uh, let's start with the right wing, first of all, because Under has spoken publicly this week on it being, quote, being a dream to get the chance to be coached by Jose Mourinho. And I didn't actually read the full article to, to interpret these quotes, uh, whether they were accurate or not. But the general impression I got from people's reaction was as if Under was talking like it was a done deal. Like he's back at Roma next season, and that's it. Um, so... Will it remain a dream for Under? Is, is he just dreaming? Or do the statement mean, mean that he's going to be given a shot on that right wing of the Marino next season? If I think about the way he played in Rome prior in terms of tracking back and things like that, um, and then even how little he's played at Leicester this year, I, I think it almost has to remain a dream because Mourinho's not going to put up with him not tracking back on the right wing. I can't imagine he's a Mourinho-type player based on his his grinta or hustle or anything like that. Um, I... I, I personally don't see him being a good fit for Mourinho. I could be wrong. Maybe Mourinho lights a fire under him because he's got that deadly left foot. But, I mean, mm-hmm. he could he barely got on the pitch in the Premier League to, to, to use it. So, uh, yeah. you know, and Leicester was a top five side in the Premier League. So, 
you know, if you want to play for a top club, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know we're not on the level of Leicester right now in terms of making, you know, um, Champions League appearances and things like that. But geez, uh, I don't yeah. see him being a fit. Do you? No, I, I agree with you, unfortunately, because I, I, I am actually an under fan, at least as, as far as his potential goes. And, and for what he's shown in Roma, like going forward on the pitch, um, I think the the story that frustrates me sometimes is that he's often packaged as this guy who had like a like one good spring in 2007 no 2018 um and then nothing else whereas i think attacking wise he actually showed constant growth and progression but like you said the other end defensively is just not there and yeah, yeah so I, I can only agree with you on on your assessment there but will he be another name uh putting in a make or break performance tomorrow in the opener year 2020 after, after his lack of playing time for Leicester, it's it's already surprising that he was actually called up to the Turkey team. Yeah. So is he is he starting tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Turkey, you know, maybe lacks the options of like a France or one of those bigger countries that they could afford to, you know, leave an under home. Maybe for a Turkey, he still has a chance to to shine. Maybe I don't know. I don't think he starts because of the way he played for Leicester this year. As far as I would imagine, I don't know the Turkish side that well. Uh, I don't know if it's a make have, or break tournament. Um, they have Yazidra and they have um, they have the guy who was who did, had an excellent season with Lille, um, and then they have also uh, the guy who plays for Getafe, uh, Unal. I think it's I think it's Unal's name. So they, they have they have striking they have enough strikers there to keep under out the side, but they might I haven't seen those guys specifically play like you said. So yeah, maybe under might have a different style. And I don't know if it's a make or break Euro for him. Hey, if he has a good Euro and Roma wants to move him, all the better because maybe he regain some transfer value, but I, I personally don't see him back in Rome. Okay, fair enough. What about the left wing now? Justin Cliver, Sky Sport today claiming that he's been told he's staying permanently in Roma for next season because uh, Mourinho previously has been a fan. Um, how do we feel about it, Steve? Because Cliver's actually the only guy who's publicly come out and said he wants to stay where he's at. And isn't, you know, isn't, he hasn't actually outright said he's, he's not thinking about Roma, but you know, by, by process of you know, deduction, He's clearly not thinking about playing for Roma. He, he wants to, you know, as soon as Roma fell out uh, officially of the Champions League, Clive was back in his bags. And uh, yeah. he, he clearly wants to be a guy who's playing at the European top level, whether it has to be at Leipzig or elsewhere. But specifically, he wants to stay in Leipzig. So how do we, you know, if we're to believe the Sky Sport story today, how do we feel about this guy being given assurances by Mourinho? It's, it's a little bit strange, don't you think? It, it would be if he, he's given that assurance already, because I was actually surprised by Kluivert's comments. I thought Kluivert would be one of the players that would fit well under Mourinho, uh, or at least better than Under when we had originally talked about the Mourinho hire, because he does have the work rate Mourinho would look for in a winger. Um, mm-hmm. Not Doesn't seem to be as offensively gifted as Under, um, but works harder, uh, mm-hmm. which could be what would endear him to Mourinho. Who knows if these reports are true or not, um, but it'll be interesting to see, especially if he's there against his will or maybe if he's been convinced to stay and things don't go uh, as well as he would would have hoped and he doesn't get as much playing time under Mourinho as he would have hoped. So it'd be curious to see. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, another winger who is actually is making waves and stirring up you know, um, a little bit of outrage this week, this week and, and then prior two weeks because she might be on the way out of here is on the Roma woman's side of the things. After the Coppa Italia victory, uh, Agnese Bonfantini, who we've talked up for three years straight and has shown some really good stuff over the years, but has been played very little comparatively in the last season, is rumored to be leaving for Juventus, which would be a return to her native Turin, but she doesn't really seem like someone who has uh, many 
heartfelt ties with her, her native city. She moved out very early on in, the, in, her, in her life. So we don't know. We don't know if this is uh, emotional or if this is the club pushing for it or if it's the player, who, but you know, who knows. One thing we do know is that I continued my shameless campaign to get social media interactions with uh, City Alpha Media players on Instagram because I, I sent out a message. I, I, I drew um, a few gesture drawings of uh, Bonfantini at her time at the club and some of her best plays. And I posted it on Instagram today. And I actually got a like from Bonfantini. I didn't get any comments, but uh, that was good enough for me. That's another one to my connection. Um, but yeah, the, the odds of a, a player swap between Roma and Juve happening on the women's side of things are going up every week. If you believe the report, uh, Benedetti Iona, who is a Juve player who was on loan at Empoli last season is uh, and got 10 goals in the, in the, in the league, in, in a 22-game league. So almost scored like a goal every every two games um, from that right wing. It's rumored to be coming in as Bonfantini's replacement, but we'll see. And uh, by far the biggest name that Roma been linked to, that definitely moving up in the world on the women's side, is we've been linked with Valérie Gauvin, who is uh, really a world-class striker, 25 years old, appeared with France at the World Cup 2019, uh, really as good as it gets. And she plays in England, which is the hardest league in, in women's football and women's super league for Everton. But uh, it could, could she really be convinced to play for Rome next year? We'll see. Um, uh, any final thoughts, Steve? Have you got any... Any upcoming features this week that you want to plug or even this, this, this coming summer on CDT that you want to plug? I don't have anything right now. I'll probably help out with our Euro coverage a bit, covering Italy. Um, looking forward to the Euros. I also have to give a shout out, Sean. We're both hockey fans of the New York Islanders and they, they moved on to the final four, so to speak, the semifinals of the NHL playoffs last night. So I'm very excited about that. But uh, also looking forward to the Euros and I'm hoping that uh, Italy does well. So we have plenty to cover there. Yeah. I have to do a better job of getting back into following the Islanders because it's been a couple of seasons now. I'm, I'm kind of like out of the loop a little bit. And you're missing the good um, seasons. You followed them when exactly. they were like terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I must be a masochist because as soon as things start going well, I start tuning out. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we In this June, we'll have some coverage of uh, the, the Roma teams who still have something to play for this season. And these could even be the teams that are the explanation of why New Balance haven't yet come out with their kits because they, mm. they still have to play in like jerseys through the summer and uh, they have business to settle on the pitch. And that is none other than Roma Primavera under 19 team, the Roma under 18 team and the Roma under 17 team We're all on the men's side. Uh, they all are about to have their Scudetto player campaigns coming up um, from the middle of June onwards. And uh, you know, the, they, they all have trophies to win. So we'll see. But um, yeah, it's it's looking more promising for the under 18s and under 17 to have been more dominant in their league so far, whereas the wheels have really come off the Primavera League season in 2021 after after going 100% uh, wins in 2020 and like running away with the league uh, league lead at the top, they really cannot defend set pieces to save their life in this year, um, and they just keep dropping points after points. But uh, only a few games left before the playoff season starts. So we'll, we'll cover that. Uh, under, anything below under 17s was indefinitely suspended this year. So we only have those three leagues remaining. And we'll cover that on uh, casesatotti.com if you fancy coverage of uh, youth football. And we, as Steve mentioned, we have the Euro 2020 open threads on the forum. So you can, you can come visit casesatotti.com any week you like, any day you like. And you'll, you'll find a community there ready to, to discuss the game with you. Um, and also, finally, we'll have the the club's annual budget, uh, we'll have an update on that coming soon over the summer, but we don't know when, because uh, it'll be me that will be tasked with it for the most part. And we don't know whether it's better to do it 
after the signings are made or before, or, you know, we don't know how pressing an issue people want to actually see these numbers and, and who's, you know, costing the club the most and, and what, it, what, it, what it implies for them next season, you know, what role they have to win in the, in the team, uh, what it means for their career, their age. But we're going to go into all of that this summer so that you know and understand what is influencing Roma's decisions off the pitch. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know if you want to see this, that, that particular feature sooner rather than later. But uh, until then, Steve, do you have anything else you want to say? Or? No, I'm just hoping that Italy plays well and gets to enjoy the Euros. And then uh, once Mourinho takes over, we'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree with that. So, yeah, we'll leave you on that note and we'll say bye for now. Thank you.